um, and been asking, finding myself asking some really big questions about um, renewal, restoration, and how this all looks for the body of Christ today. Um, already, Laura's talked about that, and Chris as well, about partnering with Christ to redeem and restore the earth. And I just really have had a burden about that, asking this big question these days. Um, how do we steward this very good creation that, that God has, has given us to look after? Um, and I really do believe that part of advancing the kingdom of God is a part of our gospel mandate, um, and that there are kingdom solutions for us, um, even in the midst of where we find ourselves, um, just with the climate crisis, but obviously the other crisis, economic health crisis, and the broader things that we're um, facing in these days. But if we were really honest, I think really deep down, somewhere we've lost our connection with creation. Um, somewhere along the way, we've lost our connection, even with the very land surrounding us in our everyday lives. Um, and I believe that um, in the days that we find ourselves in, I think we're, we're in the middle of an awakening of, of that as well. Um, so I'm also conscious tonight that you're all in different places. Um, let's see if I push the right button here, Chris. <laughs> Around them all. Ah. Well, you did something. <laughs> <laughs> Switch the whole thing down. Crashed it all, have it? Yes, you just use that. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're all in different places with this, and I'm not going to try and convert you <laughs> to become a, a believer of, of the climate crisis. But if I was to be honest of the journey that I've been on, um, I've probably um, had some skepticism um, over the years myself, and I think more over the past couple of years, um, just seeing afresh the facts and the figures and the reality of our situation, um, I actually do believe that, that we are facing changes. Um, and with, with the environment, um, and Laura's given a great overview of that. Um, so tonight I'm actually going to give you a little bit of a different perspective on the challenges that we face for society, and also some thoughts around consumerism, um, and some thoughts around this idea of the linear economic worldview of our thinking, um, and perhaps um, just the challenges in terms of just how we've become so dependent upon fossil fuels. Um, and consumerism and shifting towards this idea of a more circular economy and circular thinking. Um, and I think we would all agree that over the past couple of years, um, we have been wakening up um, to climate, climate change and the crisis that we're in, and also the challenge of achieving carbon neutrality by 2050. Um, the UK government has set targets towards that for us. Um, and we find ourselves in this place, I think, where we've never been before, trying to change an energy system and an economic system that's so dependent upon fossil fuels and consumerism to a more sustainable um, zero carbon system. And actually, fact, I think we're actually going where no man's ever had to go before within such a short period of time. Um, and then we do need to consider the local economy within a nation <coughs> perspective, but we also need to think about the challenges we face um, from a global economy um, and a global community, because there's no doubt in the next decade of our lives um, we're going to be met with some very complex challenges. Um, and it's quite interesting, these photographs here, this is one of India during the COVID pandemic. Um, I, it was, I, I found it absolutely fascinating that everything stopped. Everything stopped. Cities became completely empty. Um, streets empty. Everything stopped. 
and recent research has highlighted that in San Francisco, just and there's other cities where there was birds and the, their song changed, their tune changed, and it was because everything was so quiet. Um, and this just reminded me that there is a rhythm to creation, and there's a there's a sound um, to creation as well, and there's a song that creation um, sings all the time. And sometimes we don't actually hear the sound. Um, so I find that that was one of the things that really, really spoke to me um, during um, the past couple of years, just thinking of that. Just want to highlight a few policy changes that are actually going to impact upon Northern Ireland more than anything. Not going to go into these in any detail, but there's a lot. This, this, is, this isn't, isn't even the full list, but there's a lot of strategic changes coming um, in terms of the environment environment strategy for Northern Ireland um, that's open now at the moment for consultation, probably expecting that to come through in the new year at some stage. And, and when you read these documents, you see the vision for the future, and it's great. You see the, the freshness of the text and all of these things, but also you're faced with the reality of the challenge. Is this really going to happen? How are we really going to achieve some of these changes? Um, one in particular that's coming very soon, we're expecting, actually we're expecting it during COP26, um, more so the end of this year before Christmas, I don't know if it'll come out, is the energy strategy. Um, and this um, is actually one of the strategies that's going to impact us as householders. Um, it's going to look at the energy mix for Northern Ireland in terms of um, the changes moving from oil to gas. Um, um, the Department of Economy very keen to go for a hydrogen economy um, and there's lots of changes happening with technology to, to develop all of this but also for just householders the things that you know um, we maybe take for granted you know in terms of well how, how will we heat our homes and how will we change how will the system change um, and also looking at transport and travel and commuting you know the vehicles that we drive and all of these things and the infrastructure in Northern Ireland, petrol stations, what will they look like in the future? Will they become electric charging points for, for vehicles, for example? But yeah, that, that's just one that I kind of just wanted to highlight that's coming down the line. So we think about the circular economy. Um, I want you to, to think about um, nature and the environment because little did we actually realise that this, this concept has been here for quite um, a long time. You think about um, the carbon cycle, you think about the water cycle, we think about um, the nitrogen cycle, um, and this idea that waste doesn't exist um, in nature because each organism contributes to the health of the whole. If you imagine a, a fruit tree blossoming, falling to the ground, decomposing food from other living things, bacteria and fungi, feeding those, organic waste of both the tree and the animals, eat the fruit, decomposing nutrients in soil, and the tree can take up and convert this into growth. So one organism's waste becomes food for another. So this is what the circular economy, the idea, the principle is, is, is all about. Um, this alternative to the current linear economy in which we just take resources, we produce them, we consume, and we generate waste. Um, the circular economy looks at how we design and manufacture or manufacture goods and products to to actually eliminate waste. Um, and I've got a little video. Hopefully, it will work. Um. 
So we'll forget about that when we move on. Um, so the video basically was showing the idea of the linear economy, where these resources that are extract from the extracted from the from the earth, mined and manufactured to produce, like transported goods, um, and then these are disposed of as waste. So the linear economy model, um, as you can see, is this take, make, use, and waste model. Um, and it's estimated that the world um, will produce over two point um, uh, billion tons of, of municipal solid waste annually and global waste is expected to um, increase to 3.4 billion tons by the end of uh, 2050. So in light of this there's big challenges with this particular system. The United Nations have recently um, placed agreements to rethink our production systems and also um, uh, how we can actually reduce our environmental impact as well. And there's an alternative, this alternative system um, and the, the environmental challenges with that is known like a, the circular economy is like a closed loop system so where you take it's on like the linear economy um, where you're extracting, producing and producing waste the circular economy is more um, looking at the design and how we actually make our products and our, and, um, and our goods um, and keeping the, the materials in that process um, for the highest value possible at all times to actually avoid generating waste in the first, in the first place so we have to consider the government's ambitions um, for this net zero 2050 challenge, um, but we also need to consider how the circular economy um, may in actual fact become a circular carbon economy as well, as, a, as another principle um, of where the government's heading with this. <coughs> so if we take these, um, take this idea of the circular economy, so you're sourcing all your materials, extracting them from the earth, you're manufacturing your goods, then you're looking at the logistics of how you're going to transport those. Um, you've got the marketing and the sales aspect, so it's the promotion of all these goods, the consumerism, all the things that we um, think we need, how we get those goods out, how we produce, what happens to them at the end of the life, of the life cycle of those goods, and then obviously trying to um, extend the life of those materials and, and produce them, put them back into the system again. So in other words, you're not actually generating any waste. That's the idea, anyway, behind it. The Ellen MacArthur Foundation um, underpins this system with um, renewable energy sources, so such, such as um, like wind, um, solar, biomass, and the idea is that everything around us, all the materials, the natural environment, all of these things, um, can actually sustain life and create a sustainable system for the future that builds upon economic, natural, and social capital. Um, so there are three key pr principles, really, to, rem to remember, would be designing out the waste, keeping the products and materials um, for as long as possible, and then re regenerating our natural ecosystem. And this idea of making and cooking an omelette, once you make it, it's not very easy to unscramble an omelette again. Um, so everything we design, think of the clothes that we wear, think about the houses that we live in, our smartphones that we use, um, the things that we use for delivering our food and the transport, all of these things have been designed with linear thinking in mind. 
um, and it's generating waste. And for example, the fashion and plastics industry products and systems have been designed in such a way that approximately 70% of those materials um, that flow through those systems are destined for landfill or incineration or leaked into the environment. So the circular in the circular economy, this idea then waste becomes like a flaw of the system. Um, so you design it out in the first place. You avoid producing the waste to begin with. Um, and uh, you're using all of those materials. So there is a need for us to really shift our mindset um, in the days ahead. And Northern Ireland, there is a strategy coming. Um, in Scotland, they've already developed a strategy. Um, and the, the UK government is obviously very much behind this idea. Um, and it does present actually quite a lot of challenges because if you disrupt an old system, um, you're going to have some hits and losses with that. Um, you're going to maybe lose jobs, you're going to maybe lose industry, but on the other hand, you're going to create new opportunities, innovation, um, and this idea of um, a green revolution um, is, <coughs> is, is kind of the idea going forward. Um, yeah, so if we keep these materials, um, in the loop for as long as possible. Um, there's different strategies then that we can use, um, different ideas and strategies. For example, um, we might want to think about renting items. We might want to think about um, uh, services rather than actually buying products. We might want to think about repairing products, um, remanufacturing goods. Um, we might want to think about things like um, how can we reuse um, uh, the things that we purchase or how can we share second-hand products? How can we extend the life of these products? Um, reselling items um, and recycling really actually becomes sort of like the last in the loop. Um, so you want to maximize the use of all of these materials and resources um, and change our economic thinking to, to renting, reusing and distributing. So the big question I think for the future is, as well is that, you know, for example, a car, if you take a car that you purchase and you buy and then you own it, but in the future, could it be that actually we lease cars only? Or could it be that you only um, rent a car for the days that you need it if you're not actually needing to drive it five days or seven days a week? So there's all these system changes um, that we're anticipating in the future. Um, and I guess the COVID pandemic's really highlighted that we're all, the majority of us are working from home now. We've got loads of empty office blocks in the city or in different places and that in itself is extraordinary. Um, we've got new office blocks that have just been built and so what's going to happen to all these empty buildings in, in, in cities and will we ever return fully to working um, in those places because it's, it's interesting now employers trying to get their staff back in. Their staff were like, well, actually, no, I can show that I can do my work here now, so I don't need to actually go back in. So you have all these different dynamics at play at the minute, which is really um, interesting. So if we go back to that um, quote at the very beginning, um, and we think about um, everything, that there's no waste in nature at all, and everything is food and a resource for something else, a leaf that falls from a tree, feeds the forest and we're able to generate our own natural ecosystems by returning those valuable nutrients to the biosphere or the soil or the land or the water and the atmosphere and this is really what the circular economy is all about.
what are the potential benefits um, from this? There's, there's been limited research, to be honest. There's, there's some research that is showing some of the benefits, but because we're going in a direction really to change the system um, that we've been locked into for years, um, there's not a lot of research to show that this will actually work or how do we change our habits, even just what Laura um, was mentioning. Um, but there is opportunities for industry. There's opportunities for neural regeneration and innovation. There's opportunities to increase the value of the materials and the resources that we, um, and the products that we buy. Um, there's opportunities for, for new jobs and new businesses. Um, and also just a fresh commitment from industry to make pledges to reduce the carbon emissions and to reduce the, the waste and the pollution um, with those. On the environmental side, obviously the biggest um, area where there's a lot of energy that's used is the extraction of um, raw materials from the earth um, and obviously the, the waste associated with that. Um, and Laura highlighted obviously some of the, the nations uh, at the minute that, that are facing um, climate change, but also those similar nations are also facing um, like real challenges with pollution related to the mining of, of those materials from the earth and then it damages people's health and also then the waste, all the waste that we generate here in the West ends up going to these countries to be um, disposed of um, and that causes other health problems for, for those countries as well. Um, so there is a responsibility, I think, upon nations to take all ownership of um, the waste that we're generating and actually taking ownership of that and doing, doing the right thing um, that's honourable for, for society in these days. Um, on the social side of things, opportunities between industry and society. Um, there's real need for all of us to get involved, involved in this. Um, it's not just down to the one or twos, but it's actually going to take industry and everybody to get involved in this. Um, this obviously is going to help to improve relationships, understanding customer needs and public awareness with the climate change, health and the environment and sustainable goods for the future. These are just some interesting facts, I'm not going to go through all of these, um, but since the 1970s, I think we mentioned the 1970s earlier, or somebody mentioned the 1970s, um, consumption of resources has tripled and expected to double again by 2050 if we keep going um, as business as usual. Um, so we are heading in the wrong, wrong direction. Um, and, uh, but there are um, approximately 45% of global greenhouse gas emissions comes from um, product use and um, manufacturing. So what's interesting at the minute is the 55% is changing the energy system. So that's actually the easy part, generating, um, creating renewables, wind, solar, all of the, so once we change the energy system, um, that's gonna be quite easy in terms for householders or businesses because the infrastructure is partly there. But the biggest challenge really is reducing um, the greenhouse gas emissions associated with um, this extraction of materials and the consumeristic side um, of that um, and disappointingly there wasn't much covered at COP26 on that, it very much was heavily weighted to the other so I was kind of a little bit disappointed um, that, th that this, this area has been missed um, and this is probably going to be the more challenging um, for the days ahead. So I just want to come into land really um, and I guess one of the questions that I've been asking, um, is it possible to 
create a more sustainable world without waste? Is it possible for the future for humanity to um, create a new system and to reimagine a world where actually waste isn't generated? Um, and just how can we play our part in the stewardship of um, helping to contribute to that? Because um, we all have a part to play. Um, and lobbying, yes, petitioning our governments. Um, and I think one of the hardest things is when legislation is set and it makes changes, that actually sometimes we don't often get much of a part to say in that or to shape that. Um, and sometimes legislation can be more restrictive and it, 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 it forces changes through, um, but there needs to be solutions there um, to help us well and good setting these strategies and solutions, but we actually need, um, we actually need the finance and the, and the solutions alongside that to make it happen. Um, and that's really probably, has, that's it, Chris. Perfect. Thank you, Gillian. And it's funny, listening to Gillian reminded me of the olden days when we had a milkman. Um, he turned up at our door with glass bottles and he gave us milk and we gave him the bottles back and then the same bottles came back to us with more milk in them and he took them away again. And it was probably, you know, there's probably a lot of things that you think, do you remember actually we had probably some of this stuff right decades ago? I used to love collecting empty glass bottles that you got like 10p from the shop from and you could like earn a clean fortune like maybe 50p um, by just going around and collecting anything that looked like it was vaguely one of those bottles you could return and get your money and just buy sweets with directly but um, you know I think understanding that we're part of a system where waste is accepted is it's really important for us to think about but then I actually kind of go you know we think we're doing really well when we put stuff in our green bin and actually the more stuff we put in the green bin the more well we think we're look at all the stuff i'm recycling instead of actually asking ourselves the question what is my green bin full of plastic that like i just looked at for two seconds and took you know products out of and and put it into the bin in the first place um just uh, as a wee bit of an advertisement it like we do have uh, a zero waste shop in our area um, in, uh, in fact, there's two that I can think of, there's probably more, but uh, Church Street Pantry in Portadown, and there's something in Banbridge, but I don't know the name of, but somebody in this room probably does. There we go. So you can actually sort of opt out of the system a little bit and do that in a very small way, but even just, you know, in terms of getting this, this straight, the linear economy, you get stuff, you use stuff, you create waste, you throw it out. And the circular economy is actually just asking lots of completely different questions around what we do, what we do with our products, what we do with our stuff, and where it goes, and how we can reuse it. And you've probably been frustrated at, at times when you have, a, for example, an electrical product, and it breaks. And you put that electrical product in the bin, and it probably ends in landfill, and you look at it and you think, this must pretty, be pretty easy to fix. If you try to take anything like that apart, you realize it's manufactured not to be fixed. It's manufactured with costs being the, the primary driver. And so, you know, again, years and years ago, you could take things apart and put them back together and fix them and replace certain parts. You can't even buy parts to fix, fix things anymore. But five minutes, have a discussion about that kind of stuff. What do you find challenging? Uh, would it make you think about maybe decisions that you can make around how you buy things and use things, five minutes and then we'll be on to our, our last speaker. <laughs>